0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Ooh. Ooh, scary. It's Halloween Friday and everyone at their offices or virtually are wearing costumes, I guess.
3: What? now?
2: Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people really? at work today. Even This one job? Of, yeah, the other stations... Uh, Lara, Lara, is wearing wow. <laughs> is wearing. Uh, she's wearing a pirate's costume.
3: Oh, that's fun. Yeah.
2: She came out, opened the door, and she's like, I'm dressed as a pirate. I was like, good on you.
3: I mean, seriously. Congrats. I didn't, K- I don't uh, want to do all K- of that.
2: K-Rock, uh, they all dressed up this morning. You know, and we're dressed as...
3: Myself? Yeah, exactly. I didn't feel like, I already did my big Halloween thing. I was Olivia Rodrigo for Halloween this year it was great did the whole glam I think I have a future in drag if I ever want to do it because I'm a beautiful woman Mm -hmm. and um, that's basically that like everything else girl no way Jose aren't you going to some parties though this weekend? Um, I'm going to one, you know, friend of the show, Kaylin Allen is throwing a, a big one. Oh, that's one. gonna be fun! Um, and so I'm just going to that one, and that's it, because I don't want to do. I have other costumes coming that oh. I, you know, that I got, but I don't want to do a homeboy. So bunch. what are you gonna dress as? Um, I have, um, I have a a devil, well, like a a devil uh, Girl Scout. Oh, cute! Like six 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 Girl good. Scout. I like that. And then I also have my um clueless look. But I don't know which one I'm gonna do. Yeah, I don't know. Clueless
2: could be very cute.
3: I really wanted to be. Well, I don't. I can't say what I really wanted to be because it, it has to do with like smoking the marijuana. Okay. <laughs> I'm Which I guess to think I just said what it was. It was a it was a cheer it was a cheerleader, but her it was THC and it was totally high spirited cheerleader. That's actually really funny. <laughs> and it had like weed things on oh, it. Oh, that's cute. And I'm like, oh, that's you know, it's LA, very it's brand. Yeah, very California. <laughs> but I was like, I can't be a cheerleader the entire week. I already did Olivia Rodrigo. You could always be a cheerleader. I, well, right? technically, you know. I wish that
2: I could, you know, because you have too many outfits. I wish I could take
3: one of them. But. Well, I don't even think they would fit. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> producer Vanessa do you have anything I can borrow oh my God. because I have not I did not do Halloween well this year but it's okay I'm gonna do chill low key, key. Easy. low key don't you
3: got something like a, like a black jumpsuit? so you can be a Catwoman. you can literally go to party so city basic. or anywhere cat is so not basic Catwoman is sexy I'm gonna
2: figure it out I'll see I'm, I'm, the jury is out. I understand. But people, A lot
3: of people feel that way. You know, It's, it's really hard when it comes to finding Halloween it's, costumes and figuring it this out. This is it's what
2: difficult. I do. I, every second year or so, I kind of do the low-key Halloween, and then I'll go all out the next year, and then I'll go low-key again. At any rate, we're going to be talking about how horror movies affect your mental health. That's at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. I feel like we need a bed, a, a scary bed or something. Of music. Plus, we've got updates on Zayn Malik and Gigi Hadid. Well, drama happening. That happened very quickly. That's in the tear report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A Wyoming prosecutor has decided they won't charge library employees in Gillette uh, for making sex education and LGBTQ-themed books available to young people. One couple even brought five books to the attention of the Campbell County Sheriff's Office in September, and then they referred the matter to county prosecutors. They brought it all the way to prosecutors who asked a neighboring county to handle the matter to avoid a potential conflict of interest because... They're very conservative. The library board voted, though, this week to uphold a decision by library staff that moving this book is gay out of the teen section would be censorship. So I guess there's uh, some movement forward on this. Now, Representative Pramila Jayapal today shared her thoughts on paid family and medical leave being taken out of the latest social spending bill being pitched by Democrats.
4: I'm a woman who has had a baby and I know what that takes. And millions of women across the country are wondering how the president can go to Europe and explain that we are going to be one of six countries that don't have paid family leave because one guy says he doesn't want it. I don't know how you explain that. Um, So, look, we haven't drawn red lines, but I just think that we need to be really thinking about what we're saying about the United States leadership with this bill. And the best course of action is to keep the keep negotiating. We are close, but we're not there yet. So let's finish the negotiations and then let's vote both the BIF and the Build Back Better Act out of the House with a commitment from the
2: Senate that they're gonna do it. Well, speaking of Biden's overseas trip, he started the trip meeting with Pope Francis. And it's actually the first time in more than a century that a U.S. leader has met with the Pope, the president at least. And um, abortion did not come up, if you're wondering, because that's what a reporter asked. But they did talk about him being a good Catholic. (laughs) Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Yeah, okay. So we have more details about Zayn Malik, J- uh, Gigi Hadid, I almost like, started slurring, Hi. <laughs> and her mom, Yolanda Hadid. Signed for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So yeah, all this news has come out about this big altercation between Zayn Malik and Yolanda. The former One Direction member um, was charged with four counts of harassment for allegedly calling Yolanda... Um, a word that I don't think we can mention over in the airwaves, but just know, it's a streetwalker, which is off, is awful, you know. Um, Basically, sh- he screamed that at the top of his lungs. And then he also screamed about his sperm and pushing, and he pushed on? her into a dresser during the altercation last month. He pleaded no contest to harassing um ex uh, his ex, Gigi Hadid, and her mom uh, during this huge altercation argument the singer allegedly called yolanda a effing dutch streetwalker and ordered her to stay from a stay away from my effing daughter he also mentioned the effing sperm that came out of his effing penis he uses another word besides that the word she likes to use this word yeah um oh well you do like to use that word yes i think it's a white people thing like white people love to use that word Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what word I'm talking about. The four-letter word. Yes. That right. rhymes with rock. <laughs> <laughs> The documents claimed Malik, uh, quote, grabbed and shoved Yolanda into a dresser, causing mental anguish and physical pain, though he denied making any physical contact. He also allegedly screamed at Gigi, um, telling her to strap on some effing um, balls and defend your partner against your effing mother in my house. So this was an explosive, explosive, intense moment. He also yelled at the security guard who was present. Um, Now, Gigi and Zayn have broken up, but according to uh, the latest updates, they are actively um, and amicably working to find the best way to co-parent now. Yolanda is inserting herself into a situation that does not involve her, her, and that is according to People. They have a source close to the star that is, like, you know, close to the situation. So, yeah, that's your T-Report. Uh, Next hour, though, I got to tell you about our annual, well, our first annual Divas in the Desert Drag Show and how you can win your way in it. Beautiful. Well, next up,
2: billionaires versus Democrats in taxes, the debate that continues and what the best solution could be that's
1: next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Taxing billionaires hasn't really left the cultural or political conversation. But if you're one of those billionaires like Elon Musk, you are not having it. Joining us to talk about where Democrats are on making this decision is Emily Stewart, senior reporter at Vox.com. What's up, Emily? Thank you for being back with us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Has the conversation around taxing the rich really changed? Are Democrats actually coming up with ideas here? I
5: mean, this is something that I feel like we've been talking about for a long time. You think back to the presidential primary. uh, Elizabeth Warren was out here talking about her wealth tax, right? We all heard about that all the time. And so what we saw this week, and to be clear, it looks like this idea is already dead, Um, It was an idea from Ron Wyden, who's a senator, um, on taxing billionaires, basically making it so a lot of these billionaires have a lot of their wealth tied up in stocks. And as long as they don't sell those stocks, they're not taxed on it. Um, So when Elon Musk's net worth goes up because Tesla's net worth goes up, you know, he's not usually taxed on that. And so Wyden wanted to to find some sort of a way to get at that money when their, their stock values go up so much, therefore their net worth.
3: Okay, so you wrote about billionaires having a decent idea of where their taxes should go. What did you mean by that?
5: Well, basically what we saw this week a little of is a lot of rich guys out there saying, you know, well, I'm okay with being taxed, but but where would the money go, really, yeah, right? right? So you have Elon Musk saying, you know, we don't really know where the money goes, and, and rich people are better at, at deploying their capital than the government. Um, Ray Dalio, who's a hedge fund guy, saying the same thing, like, I'm okay with taxes, but like where does the money go? We have to talk about it. And you know, A on this Bill Back Better bill, we know where the money would go, right? Like the details are still being worked out, but it's towards social spending, it's toward childcare, towards climate. And I think more broadly, everybody pays taxes and doesn't necessarily get to decide where their tax dollars go, right? Exactly. Like you and I pay taxes on our wages. Right. And I don't get to write a note like in the line of where this money's going.
3: No, exactly. That's why I'm like, so what happens to everyone else in this conversation? You know, the people like us who are already paying their taxes.
5: Right. And also, you know, we, we tax wages differently than we tax investments in the country. And there you can argue about whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea. But again, like you and I don't have access to the same sort of mechanisms, to, to get away from taxes that, that rich people do. And frankly, we don't have the accountants either.
3: Yeah, and historically, it doesn't really seem like billionaires are even really good at spending their own money. So <laughs> why would we take financial advice from them? Right. I mean, that's sort
5: of kind of part of this argument. And a lot of these guys will say this. It's like, I'm going to give my money away anyway, right? Like, I'm going to do philanthropy. And you have a Bill Gates who, you know, sure, does good, positive things with their money. But When you rely on billionaire philanthropy, you know, AAD people are sometimes slow to give away their money. Sometimes they can't give away their money as fast as they are making it. But it's also billionaires are are giving away the money based on what they think is important, what they think are priorities. And so, you know, sure, like in Bill Gates' case, it's it's malaria maybe, right? We can say maybe that's good, maybe that's not. But somebody else might say, well, I want to buy the wing of, of a university that already has a huge endowment. Like, is that a good way to spend money?
3: Yeah, so I guess to wrap this conversation up, is the idea of taxing the rich ever going to go away?
5: I don't think it will ever go away. I think the hard thing is that, you know, A, it's really hard to raise taxes. Nobody wants their taxes to be raised. And B, I think sometimes, you know, sure, we can say, we want to tax billionaires, but once we get into taxing the rich more broadly, everybody defines rich as someone richer than them. Mm.
3: That's so true. Well, Emily Stewart, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. I totally appreciate always having you on. Thank you. Once again, that was Emily Stewart, senior reporter at Vox.com. And we have more
1: show coming right up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This week, the judge for the Kyle Rittenhouse trial said
2: one word won't be used in his courtroom when describing the two men that Rittenhouse shot and killed and the third he wounded during unrest last summer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The word victims will not be able to be used. And now joining us on the show is Keith Finley, a professor at the University of Wisconsin Law School and a former public defender. Thanks for being here.
6: Uh, Thank you. I'm happy to be with you.
2: So is this normal procedure?
6: I wouldn't call it normal. It's not unheard of, but uh, um, it's certainly not the norm.
2: So why, yeah, why would he bring it it up?
6: Well, there is a rationale for it, and that is um, in most criminal cases, uh, whether there's been a crime is not the issue. Uh, So the victims clearly are victims. It might be a question about who did it? I didn't think who's do it. So it's not really controversial to say that these are the victims. But in a case like this, where the defense is self-defense, the very question the jury is being asked to decide is, was there a crime at all? Because if Rittenhouse acted in self-defense, there was no crime. And in that sense, they aren't victims So that of a crime. So the judge is saying to use the word victim would be a loaded term, <laughs> that would signal to the jury that it was already had already been predetermined uh, the very question that they were being asked to decide. So that's well, the rationale.
3: Well, I guess I would look at you know calling the victims looters and rioters also as loaded terms. And I was wondering, does a decision like this have an impact on the jury and how they make their decision moving forward? Like, does that kind of create a biases that they're maneuvering well, in?
6: That's the risk. Yes, indeed. And I think you're right that the words looters and and arsonists also are loaded terms that can have a prejudicial impact. The judge's rationale—just I'll tell you what it is—you disagree with it, but I'll tell you what his rationale is, and that is he's saying that the the word victims is uh, prejudging the very thing that the jury is required to decide here: whether there was a crime. Looters and arsonists—they're not being asked to decide whether the, uh, the the deceased individuals were looters and arsonists, so it's not prejudging it. But nonetheless, you're right; it does carry some prejudicial baggage in the sense that it might signal to the jury that the people who were shot were somehow blameworthy or less worthy of protection uh, of the law than, than other people. And that's the risk.
3: So I wonder what can of worms could this possibly open up for future cases like this?
6: Well, I don't know that it has that much it opened up that big a can of worms for future cases because what the judge did here is not in any kind of written or published decision here. It's not presidential. No other court will have to follow it, but it, it does at least send a message um, to the greater community uh, that the judges in some ways, a little more sensitive to protecting Rittenhouse than to protecting the victims. And now, as I said, there is a legal justification for it. There is a rationale but um it, it the 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 greater concern i think is that that he's creating the the appearance of uh a, of an unbalanced system uh that is not sensitive to protecting the rights of the protesters that, that that's that's the concern and that that will just enrage um the the community members who are already enraged because of the, the sort of the systemic mistreatment that uh, that black and and brown and other other marginalized members of the community have experienced for so many years.
2: As someone who's a who was a public defender and now is a professor of law, what is your take on how this whole thing has played out?
6: Uh, you know, this is a this is this is a perfect storm here that's been created for a clash of political ideologies. The judge has said he really wants he's not going to let this become a political trial, but you know, the reality is it it is a political trial trial. The, we have the, the, the forces of the the people who are marching for black lives matter and and against police violence on, on on the one hand, pitted against um, the far right, um, people who want to arm themselves to, to respond to those protests. And that's just sort of the under that that's, context. And when this whole case is arising and that's sort of unavoidable, which means that no matter what happens here, one of these sides in this very polarized political drama is going to be further enraged by the outcome.
3: Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much for being here to break this all down. That was Keith Finley, professor at the University of Wisconsin Law School and a former public defender. Have a great rest of your day.
6: All right. You too. Thanks for having me. Bye bye.
2: Well, next up, Madonna's latest magazine spread that is under fire. Did she take it too far? We're going to
1: get into what she did next. Mm. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Madonna is being called out for her latest photo shoot. People are calling it gross and inappropriate. Well, let's get into this. Uh, So she did this new V Magazine cover shoot where she channels the iconic Marilyn Monroe in and according to this uh, Page Six article, it says heavily retouched photos.
3: Uh,
2: I mean, she looks good. She looks definitely looks Whatever hot.
3: Whatever face this is, <laughs> she should keep it. It's a really oh. good one. It's a good face.
2: Uh, but she recreated not just uh, an inspiration of Marilyn Monroe, but she recreated her deathbed, scenes of her suicide.
3: Disgusting. I think she took it too far. Well, here's the thing. A lot of times on these um, shoots... I'm having a hard time blaming her because a lot of times you're just coming on board as like you're the person they're shooting and they come with a creative idea and she's dressed up around Halloween with Michael Jackson, I believe, where she did a a Marilyn Monroe look before. Uh And so I think this was kind of to kind of continue it on. Whoever was on the editorial team of this and made this decision to do this particular scene or particular moment in time... (laughs) I feel like it's really more so on them unless Madonna had full creative control and did this herself, which honestly still sounds about right. It seems like this is something she would come up with. It's Madonna. She's always going to push the the, you know, the bar a little yeah,
2: bit. Yeah, I think she, she knows what she's doing. I, I can't see her just showing up and be like, yeah, just tell me what to do. Like She seems very hands-on in the creative. Um, and it was, interestingly enough, inspired by Burt Stern's The Last Sitting, which is the final photo shoot that Uh, Marilyn Monroe did six weeks before her death. And so I would say, like, okay, copy those pictures. Do pictures inspired by that. Adding in pill bottles and a shot that looks like she was found naked on her bed and possibly dead is just in bad taste.
3: Yeah, it honestly reminds me of that time where uh, Kanye West paid $85,000 to license a photo of Whitney Houston's uh, bathroom the, oh. in her hotel room where it was very drug-filled. It was p- pills, and it was in the hotel room where she had died. Um, and he uh, he used that for one of his artists at the time, the cover of their album, Daytona a Tease. And I remember around that conversation, a lot of people were like, this is just in gross taste. Like, this is just not okay. And honestly, I, I have to agree in moments like these. Like, yeah, there's some type of artistic creativity that people want to feel like, oh, we're artists and we want to kind of add these mm-hmm. into moments. But there's a line, and I think this is just too far. And sometimes it's just like these people, they died, unfortunately. Like Marilyn Monroe was a product of, like, misogyny and a product of suicide. And and she went through so much. And it's just like you shouldn't be taking that lightly. Yeah, like her life mattered.
2: Yep. And it's not something to be glorified or glamorized, right? And for people that who have dealt with this themselves or people they love, I don't think they would look at this and say, oh, wow, this is a really beautiful shoot. Thank you so much. Like, I always say when you do something like this, just because you haven't been through it, like if you had been through something like this, would you have been able to take this on?
3: Right, exactly. Right? Or if you would have known, if like any like any family member, your cl- your exactly. kids or anyone would have gone through exactly. something like this, there's just no way that you would have been able to do this.
2: She would not have been able to approach a suicide photo shoot, yeah, in a glamorous way.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. And it's 2021. It seems so like out of touch. Like Come it, this, on, Madonna. This seems like something someone would have done back in 2006. Fights. Not 2021 when we're having these conversations that are more nuanced exactly. and looking at mental health, especially now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just feels stupid.
2: Yep. Well, uh, we are moving on. We've got what's trending this hour next, the Squid Game cryptocurrency that is blowing up. We'll tell you more about that after this.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: We are back and more music coming up this Friday on Channel Q. But right now we've got more show, of course. We're going to talk to you about the sequel that Will Ferrell decided to drop, including a ton of money in the T-Report in a moment. Uh, Plus, later on in the show, uh, we're going to talk about this article that's gone viral about 37-year-olds afraid to work with 23 year olds what is going on in this world
3: 37 year olds are afraid of working with 23
2: year olds according to this article we're going to get into why and well and if we feel a a bit about like what we think about this if we feel weird working from different generations and how that works well I think I think we can have a very honest conversation we will stick around for that in Hmm. 30 minutes interesting first let's get into some what's trending this hour Lesbians defended transgender women on social media on Wednesday after the BBC published an uh, an article that many critics said made dangerous claims that painted all transgender women as sexual predators. The article published Tuesday is titled, We're Being Pressured Into Sex by Some Trans Women. Just really horrible. The article has faced widespread criticism online. has been denounced by tens of thousands of cisgender women, many of them self-identified lesbians, using the hashtag... CIS with the T, which was created by Max Morgan, an LGBTQ rights activist and podcaster. Now, the FDA has cleared a kid-sized dose of the Pfizer vaccine, just a third of the amount given to teens and adults for emergency use. And up to 28 million more American children could be eligible for vaccinations as early as next week. On Tuesday, advisors to the CDC will make more detailed recommendations on which youngsters should get vaccinated, with a final decision by the agency's director expected shortly afterwards. Now, let's talk about the hot new cryptocurrency that everyone's talking about. The price of a new cryptocurrency inspired by the hit Netflix series Squid Game has skyrocketed 40,000% in just its few days of trading. And as of this morning, the Squid Game token, just called Squid, uh, was up at $5.41. It went up from 0.01235 when it began trading Tuesday. So imagine going in at... and now it's $5.
3: That's the problem with cryptocurrency. Like anything can get started, and like anything could be like just start making money or be worth something. Even though I just don't think that's ever really realistically going to be worth anything, probably more than $5, but whatever.
2: Yeah, that's why they say to get in early. Once you get in, just like any industry, you kind of could find out what's going to be hot. There are, it's very strange. But when you get underground. But
3: even when you get in, it's like, what if everyone just stops putting money into it? It just stays there. Yeah,
2: usually you kind of could make a decision of when to pull out, right? And, uh, <laughs> uh, But oh, wow. according to experts, <laughs> some don't know when to do it or how. All uh, right. right. <laughs> according to experts, though, watch out because they've received multiple reports that the users are not able to sell this token. So you buy it. And then it's hard to take it out and actually convert it to money. So just be aware. Uh, Yeah, we don't recommend getting this. (laughs) But that was What's Trending This Hour.
3: Uh, What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I recommend you do whatever you want with your money. Um, But let's talk about the team report. Not if (laughs) Why did Will Ferrell um, refuse this insane amount of money to make Elf 2, which is a top five, one of my favorite Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. Um, It is. And obviously there was no sequel to the first one, and so he didn't want to make the second one. Anyway, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Will has been candid in the past about saying no to $29 million offered to star in a second film. Now the comedian is opening up as... As to why he turned down the multi-million dollar paycheck. Um, he said this quote, I would have had to promote the movie from an honest place, which would have been like, oh no, it's not good. I just couldn't turn down that money. Um, he also revealed in a recent profile for the um Hollywood Reporter, he said, and I thought, can I actually say those words? I don't think I can, so I guess I can't do the movie. So he didn't want to really take the money and do the the film just because he knew it was a a good amount of money and also he wasn't sure if he could say that the like actually stand behind if the film was going to be good or not yeah that makes sense and so he was like no i don't want to you know talk about do this um now he did explain this way back when in a 2006 interview with the guardian about the elf sequel and the 29 million dollar offer he added that turning down the cash quote wasn't difficult at all He said, I remember asking myself, could I withstand the criticism when it's bad? And then they say he did the sequel for the money. I decided I wouldn't be able to. I didn't want to wander into an area uh, that could erase all the good work I've done. Mm -hmm. But you watch, and I'll do some sequel in the future. That's crap. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's true. Because one bad year, and you're like, I'll do that sequel. Elf is a classic, and if they would have came back and done a sequel just because the money was attached to it, and they knew they could make more money... It probably wouldn't have been as good. No,
2: but then it wouldn't have taken away from the original. It still, yes, it would have. No, because sequels know can do that. Wait, so uh, Back to the Future? There's so many amazing uh-uh, original the trilogy, Not you ever. Well, bring there's
3: a certain ones that a The trilogy is iconic. All of them are classic. <laughs> okay. Those are my favorite movies. Really? Seriously? Yeah, okay. I always
2: say like the original will always stand. So maybe just take the money and make a better new movie with that.
3: Says the person who was also saying you should invest in Squid Crypto. No, I said no. Do not, actually. (laughs) All right, that's your T-Report right now. I got something to tell you, though. Uh, Channel Q and the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa are kicking off Palm Springs Pride weekend. Mm. With our first annual Divas in the Desert drag show galore. Hosted by Channel Q's AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. And starring drag diva Rosemary Galore and Friends. Plus... The first 25 people to arrive get their first drink free. So, honey, I know y'all trying to figure out what y'all going to do for Palm Springs Pride. Well, guess what? Join us Thursday, November 4th from 8 to 11 p.m. at the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa and kick off Palm Springs Pride with Channel Q and the true queens of the desert. For more details, head over to wearechannelq.com.
2: All right. Well, next up, we're getting into the controversy surrounding Kirsten Cinema and bi-representation in politics.
1: That's next.
2: Let's go there
1: with Shira and Ryan.
2: Channel Q. You know... Kirsten Cinema has come a long way. In January 2019, out celebrated Arizona Cinema, the first openly bisexual senator, as a rebuke to Trumpism. But just a few years later, many say she's being called um, an unreliable centrist, a self-absorbed Democrat, and some are even saying that she's possibly bad for the bisexual community. Oh. That's a pretty big statement. Well, joining us right now is Lux Alptrom, a creator and co-host of Audible. Say you're sorry as we dive into this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. So, hey. yeah, hi. I love your enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> what exactly happened to Kirsten Cinema? I mean, so I think I think I will I will say I think this question is bigger
4: than cinema herself. Like it's not fair to put all of this on one bisexual woman who happens to be a Senator. Um, I think what happened to her is that she as a person is maybe unreliable, maybe doesn't have the political priorities that people thought she had. Um, She, because she was bisexual, people assumed certain things would be true about her. Mm -hmm. But as we've seen her, Career evolve, it's clear that her political priorities aren't what people initially thought, And if you're a progressive or a leftist, it is absolutely frustrating to watch.
3: Yeah, you wrote about the limits of representations as Kirsten Cinema is a cautionary tale when it comes to that. I guess, what did you mean by that?
4: So I was um, I was paraphrasing what other people have written. Okay. I think a lot of times people understand representation as, oh, this person is from the same group as me. They're going to have my values. They're going to do exactly what I want. Um, and a lot of bi women, I think, made, and bisexuals more broadly, made assumptions about what cinema's political priorities would be because she's a member of the queer community. Um, but that has not proven to be the case, which for me, the bigger problem isn't cinema. It's that cinema is the only bisexual in Congress right now. And one of two out bi- out bisexuals who have ever been in Congress. And I think that's a really big problem that we need to interrogate more deeply.
2: Yeah, definitely. So I guess what? Why is this problematic for bi representation in politics right now? Because people are putting this umbrella statement over her and expecting her to be exactly what you just said. I mean, I think the bigger problem is that there is only one bisexual Congress
4: member, and that puts mm-hmm. a lot of weight on her. Um, I can't speak to who Kirsten Sinema is as a person, um, but I do think, you know, as a bi woman, it's frustrating When you see not only that the one bisexual congresswoman is not aligning with your values, is at times seeming to be an obstacle to progress, but the way she gets covered um, is about how, and this is not necessarily how she is, but the way that the journalists write about Mm -hmm. her, they write about her as being untrustworthy, Mm -hmm. as being inscrutable, um, as being fashion obsessed. I mean, and those are stereotypes that are placed on bisexual women. And when you see that being the way that we discuss the only bisexual member of Congress, it's, it's painful. And, and, and for me, it just, again, I don't want to put it all on her. I don't think it's her responsibility to represent the bisexual community, but I think it points to this larger issue of, of why is there so much weight on her? And it's because, for whatever reason, being an out bisexual in Congress is just not happening for a lot of people.
3: Well, I think about it like this, because I I feel like, uh, for me specifically, I'm intersectional in in the senses of being black, queer, fat, all of these things and how I maneuver and experience the world. But I don't let all of those identities or one of those identities to completely define who I am or the rest of the community who exists in those same intersections. And so I wondered, should we just eliminate the idea of being like, well, Chris, Kirsten Cinema is bisexual. So it, that just automatically means the bisexual community is one big monolith.
4: Yeah, I mean, bisexuals, like all communities are diverse. I think the assumption that being a bi woman means you're going to have a certain political leaning is not, I don't think that's helpful to anybody But I, that yeah. comes back to, for me, like that's why we need more bisexuals in office because, because there are issues that deeply affect bisexuals that we do want to have a bisexual perspective on like bisexual women are extremely likely to live in poverty. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bisexual women are at an elevated risk of abuse and assault and suicide Mm -hmm. and a variety of mental health issues. And if we don't understand that, if we don't have legislators who understand that, then we're not going to be able to have legislation that's really targeting um, these communities that are in need.
3: Yeah, because you also wrote kind of about how even Kirsten Sinema being a cis-bisexual white woman mm-hmm. and how race kind of plays into this. I think about that, and, and oftentimes, especially as a person of color, being like, well, sometimes, yeah, all of these things do exist, even though a person is bisexual, their race is kind of, they're still existing in their privilege of their whiteness, right? And I think yeah. that is super important to acknowledge in, in these moments, especially as we see Kirsten navigating these the politics in the way that she is right now.
4: Yeah, and, you know, when a lot of people hear bisexual women, they imagine, like, a well-off just white woman. And that's not actually what the bi community is. That's certainly not the whole of it, but people of color are more likely to identify as bi than white people are. Trans people are more likely to identify as bi than cis people are. As I mentioned earlier, like a lot of bi women live in poverty. And so when I say, I mean, so the fact that the only open bi women that we've had in Congress are both white women from comfortable backgrounds Mm -hmm. is also a problem because we're just not getting the full range of the bi experience in our government. And therefore, we're just we're not getting that perspective. And we're not we're we're not serving those populations the way they need to be served. Mm, Yeah,
2: definitely. But in your piece, you also bring up as we wrap things up, the silver lining of all of this. What is that?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my my hope is that there are some bisexuals out there who are like, ugh, I just hate that people look at Kirsten Cinema and think this is what bisexuals have to offer the government. And that they are inspired to run for office and broaden the population of bi members of Congress and bi politicians and bi people in power. Because... We're a diverse community, and we deserve diverse representation.
3: Well, according to VictoryFund.org, bisexual candidates nearly doubled from 24, uh, from 24, 6.3% to 42 in oh, 2021. Great. So it seems like we're, we're slaying it. Yeah, Shout out to the bisexual.
2: Yeah, Victory Institute, if you want to be involved in politics and you're in the community, they are amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was Lux Alptrom, creator and co-host of Audible Say You're Sorry. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. You're always welcome back. Well, next up on the show, why age gaps in the workplace are hurting our work relationships. So what
1: can we do about it? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, an article that
2: is going viral in New York Times. We always love them. They inspire good conversations. Is all about how 37-year-olds are afraid of the 23-year-olds they work with.
3: And I think some points were made <laughs> just along from our dynamics. Okay.
2: Let, explain the points. I want to hear.
3: Yes, you know. Let's hear. I'm not 23, but I do think that that music is great. Yeah. I do God, I do think, uh, I do think there have been moments where Shira has said things about like, Oh, she wish I can't wait to get older or like ageist comments. And sometimes I'm like, for what? Like, why does your age have to play into a lot of the work that you're doing? Or if you're just like, you know, just doing what you do. And I often feel like even my mom talks about it when she looks for jobs and stuff, being like she wonders if she's gotten to an age range that where people don't want to hire older folks or people are automatically going with the younger crowds. And I'm like, age does really play a huge part in especially if you're working in between a huge age gap or you're working with others who are either younger than you or older yeah. than you. Like, people think about that. But I don't think that people think – like, I don't think people – Understand that sometimes your age has nothing to really do with it, in my opinion. Like I feel like, I, I don't know. I'm I'm always going to work hard in the way that I work hard, and I think even when I know if I'm green or entering in a situation where I'm the youngest or I'm entering a situation where I have no prior experience, I'm going. I'm working as hard as like hell to prove that I'm supposed to be there, right? And I think it—it's the conversation should really not be on age; it should be on just your work ethic and how hard of a person. you're Talking
2: about when in. you're in the workplace
3: specifically. Like yeah, the j- yeah. I mean, this is what this is talking about, like the work. Like I don't works-
2: think here. I mean, at, at least this one page that was printed out. Right <laughs> <laughs> now, because um, but in
3: general, times, that's why we can't, time, we can't. I really... think that
2: for me, it's not as much about work ethic. I think work ethic is a individual thing. I think you could have people like I'm around young people that. At work so hard and I don't question their work ethic I sometimes question just how they deal with things mm. and the importance they put on certain things versus people that when you are older you're just like I'm not gonna I can't have a headache over this like or the, a lot of things that are taken personally yeah. and I even remember like I've been like this in the past and it's something I'm even working towards getting over yeah like taking things personally when you're working with someone of course if they're just being an a-hole oh, That's interesting right?
3: that you say that
2: yeah um taking things personally um and also making stories around things or looking like overthinking things like or like looking so into something that was said when someone's just like i was just saying that cuz i'm just trying to get to the next ta- task i'd be like i'm like oh i, I think that when i was younger <laughs> or in
3: the no, 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 no. now you're distracting me i'm i'm I just i'm just, trying, I'm I'm, I'm just <laughs> thinking about so things so for instance
2: or even like i i notice more and uh-huh. these are things that i've even like i'm going through and processing or getting better at where now that i'm seeing more perspective working with young people i'm like oh either bringing in things into the workplace and i did this Mm. that are inappropriate like the line right Mm. like and also when you're in entertainment there is a great area everyone's like friends and then like also working together and now i'm seeing more the perspective as i'm kind of i feel like getting to the next chapter and working on myself i'm like Oh, I saw those things I did that I just have more awareness of, right like a time and place for everything. Yeah. like you don't need to make this into a fight. It doesn't need to be an exactly, argument. Yeah. You could have a conversation. you don't need to take it personally.
3: Yeah,
2: um I think those are things you just learn, and it doesn't matter how what good you are at your job, you just learn with lived experience of dealing with people and working with different people. And it's more about emotional intelligence than your work ethic. Um, But then I think what this article brings up, which is funny, which I think is true, is, like, the understanding of certain, certain cultural things. Like, just the ability to understand, like, you know, I'll bring up a reference and you even will say, like, oh, come on, Shira, that's blah, blah, blah. Or, like, roll your eyes, right? Oh, it's over already. What? We are just getting into it. Well... More on
3: we we, we can talk yeah, about yeah well this let's next, co- right? let's continue
2: about what we can do maybe what we've learned through our relationship of how to better work with e- each other yeah, over I like a decade because like we're a that. decade apart yes and I think we're a great example that can support others wor- working with an age gap relationship yes so let's talk about where we've been where we're going and how we dealt with it I next. like that
1: let's go there with Shira and Ryan Channel Q.
2: We've been talking about the generation gap in the
1: workplace. Um,
2: and a lot of people went off about this on Twitter after this article came out in the New York Times about 37-year-olds being afraid of 23-year-olds. And we were talking about our own experience and uh, with this. And from the perspective of, yeah, like always bringing in age to bringing in references, pop culture references that yeah. just
3: people don't get. It's like... D- I want to still continue using emojis. Does that really do you think? Okay, I actually have a question. What? Because I know sometimes I can I can do that because I consider myself yes I'm a millennial, but I'm also I kind of consider myself a cusp into Gen Z as yeah. well, right? And I do feel like in a lot of the com- like, uh, the conversations when it comes to like elder millennials or just millennials in general, the things that are they get annoyed by Gen Z is like the fact that Gen Z kind of makes fun of them for being who they are in the sense of like their references their style their you know their positions when it comes to work like yeah. if you're younger you're if you're you know you you are deemed smarter that you're coming from my spot. Have you felt that at all like when it comes to just in general working so, with younger folks?
2: I actually feel like I want to and need to be around younger people yeah because how else are you supposed to get that perspective? right to be honest yeah uh, all my team members I, like I do have a company outside of this show. And all of them are ten years or more younger than me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and and because of the nature of what we do, we do social media content. Mm-hmm. So definitely, and then there are certain positions like in ad sales or business development where it does require just like longer relationships right. and, that, and and an experience. So naturally, some of those are positions you would probably get someone maybe a bit older who has had that experience.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, but I'm always open to any age. It's more about your enthusiasm, like also your knowledge, and you can have knowledge whether you've been to school or not, or oh, whether true. you or whether you've uh, been doing it for a long time. There, there is something to be said about having been in certain ex- uh, work situations to get it. Yeah, like if you've worked for another company like the one I have, right? And I don't need you to have ten years of experience, but you like it makes a There's difference. Some,
3: and I think that's really interesting too because I know I've even noticed when like working with. Um, I've even noticed when, like kind of working with younger folks, there's this in- inherent kind of sense of like they kind of already know it all. Well, so this is what and yeah, it's just like what's the it. balance of being like, yep. okay, I've been in this industry. I've been in this line of work longer than you. There's a couple things I picked up
2: how can I impart this wisdom? (laughs) So this is the thing. I feel like I always, and because I I do come from having had a foot in the new age and then the old age, you know, the traditional systems, there was always a bit of whether I liked someone or not that Mm -hmm. hired me. Right. There was just this inherent respect. I got the hierarchy. Like, I would say what I would want to say and I would share my thoughts. Right. But I also was just like, This is your thing? like Do it. Okay, I'm going to do what you say. And then when I
3: get to your position, I'm going to do it in the
2: way that I want to do it. That's
1: just how it goes. And I appreciate
2: the pushback that happens from the younger, but it's not even pushback. It's more just like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) And I'm like, it's not like... And today I even had that conversation where I said, I would love for you to shift it from me telling me to... I'm actually just saying, I'm not assuming anything. I can't assume. I don't read your mind. I don't know how you're going to handle this. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a conversation with you about what I think we should do as a team since you're leading this. And in this moment, we could either say, oh, my God, yeah, we were on the same page or actually had something different. And if we're on the same page, it's not like, well, you already get it. And why am I telling you? It's a celebration. Yeah. Of connection.
3: Well, why? It's because it's also an opportunity where as the younger person in the situation that probably hasn't dealt with whatever thing, it's like, oh, I'm gaining a new tool in my time. Yeah. Like that's how I've always thought and, about it, right? Yeah. Mentorship has always been exactly. so important for me in the sense of like how I've maneuvered in my own personal career, where I'm like, oh, I need to have people that have been here longer, yeah. to teach me the ways, so I can understand it in a more full, develop, fully developed picture. Yeah. So
2: I, I'm not, I'm not scared of someone taking my job. I, you have to at a certain point, like keep on, d- keep on challenging yourself Hell yeah. and keep on being you and you know do things that you feel align and resonate Yeah, because if you're fighting for something that you just feel like you're not relevant anymore maybe it's not about that not being relevant like maybe you, you get to do something different yeah what's your new purpose exactly that's it stop fitting yourself in a whole Great there. there you go wow, the music got louder well coming <laughs> up on the show like um, the Oscars. Uh, coming up on the show we've got what's trending <laughs> this hour Um We're going to talk about a trans woman who unfortunately is possible trying to protect others in an Idaho mall shooting. And we're going to honor her today
1: and talk more about what actually happened. That and more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: Okay, of course, we've always got more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, some more show for you. What if we didn't have more music? You know, what if it's just going to be a silent
3: rest of a. (laughs) <laughs> few hours.
2: Imagine just going to a radio station for silence,
3: or imagine going to a radio station knowing that a mime runs it now and everything's going to be silent. Wow! All right, you wouldn't know that... it was a mime because silence.
2: Exactly. Wow, this is getting very meta. How do we know our program director
3: isn't a mime? Maybe for Halloween. Ooh, oh, Brian, that's a good job. <laughs> you should
2: do that. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of Halloween, coming up in fifteen minutes, we're talking about the mental health benefits of horror movies. So if anyone tells you they don't want to watch a horror movie it's too scary it gives them anxiety you can uh, tell them there's mental health benefits after I this don't, conversation we all have to have
3: this conversation because I do not believe that I, only, I
2: agree with you because I get very
3: anxious yes I think movies. only for little kids it provides mental health I don't benefits. know we're gonna
2: see that's very soon plus updates on Queen Elizabeth's health condition that's in the tea report in a moment
3: yeah she's 95 and kicking. Exactly.
2: First let's get into some what's training this hour. A transgender woman working as a security guard was killed when a gunman opened fire at the Boise Town Square Mall in Idaho this week, and her family members say she took actions and that undoubtedly saved many lives there. Joe Acker was twenty-six, confronted the shooter on the first floor of the mall near a department store. Acker's partner and siblings say she died a hero. Now, Governor Ron DeSantis is defending withholding the salaries of school board members who institute mask mandates.
6: So, here's the thing. We have state law and they're not following it and so the school board members are having their salaries taken. These are politicians. These are not people that are in the classroom. These are elected politicians. A lot of times they'll get elected, supported by special interests uh, in terms of how they get in there.
0: And, uh, and they're not a law unto themselves.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, we were saying, while that was playing, we're like, is he not supported by any special interest groups? Come on. Really? I mean, it is really unfortunate because those working in the education system are working very hard for today's youth. And this is what they get for trying to keep themselves and others safe and being in a place where they feel comfortable to be doing their work. It's really unfortunate. And finally, the final season of ABC's Black-ish will feature a guest appearance from former First Lady Michelle Obama. On her Instagram, she wrote, we are honored, or they wrote, we are honored to have trailblazer Michelle Obama join us as an upcoming guest star. And a representative for the network told NBC News that Obama would appear as herself in the guest appearance. So that is fun and cute. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment
3: news, Ryan? All right, so Queen Elizabeth is under doctor's orders to rest at least another two weeks. It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So she was ordered this as as she recovers from the most recent health scare that left her hospitalized. Um, And this is what Buckingham Palace is saying today. Uh, She is 95 and was told that she should continue to rest over the unspecified health issue, which the palace has only said is not related to COVID-19. My thing is, do you think they would tell us even if it was related to COVID-19? Yeah, probably not. I
2: don't think they They just wanted to say that to clear that she doesn't have COVID.
3: But that just makes me think she does.
2: No. Uh... No, I actually probably don't think she does. I think she just has some sort of bold thing, (laughs) something like she's she's vaccinated. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. That still doesn't mean you can't get it. Look True. at Charlie Powell. He was vaccinated. But he then all they right, just wouldn't say other... anything.
2: They would just say she's sick.
3: That's what I'm saying. The, the, the monarch is like very secretive. So there's mm-hmm. no way they're going to let us know anyway. Um, well, they held a kind of like a little virtual press conference where they said the doctors have advised that her majesty can continue to undertake um, light desk based duties during this time, including some virtual audiences. Um and she has appeared to be in good spirits uh spirits while holding virtual audiences um but she has been told not to undertake any official visits. What's interesting is So she can't even have people around her? Oh. Girl, well, that's crazy. No COVID. from maybe work visits. What's interesting if you
2: watch The Crown her father actually had throat cancer and they kept it secret
3: for a long time. Well, they're always, I mean, that's what the the monarch is all based off of, the secrets. We just, we've heard about it. Um, now, the palace did say that Her Majesty regrets that this means she will be unable to attend the Festival of Remembrance. That's happening on November 13th, which is so far away. Which means... It's actually not as far away as I mean, that's two weeks. That's two weeks, but that still feels like it's like two weeks. They're just setting the expectations. Yeah, I don't know. This health scare first emerged on Wednesday, last week, when she reluctantly canceled a trip to mark 100 years since the creation of Northern Ireland. Um, The palace later admitted that she spent the night in London uh, King Edward's uh, hospital for preliminary investigations. So, I don't know, girl. The Queen is... I, well, I don't even know what to say. I just hope good vibes. Should yeah. I say good vibes? Yeah. Yes, she's lived a long and happy life,
2: it seems. Maybe not so happy, but she seems pretty jolly.
3: As long as she wasn't the one that asked Meghan Marco how dark her baby was exactly. going to be, I'm sending good vibes. Exactly. But if it comes out anything else, I can't really hold you to it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay, well, thanks for the Tea Report, Ryan. You're
0: welcome.
2: But uh, next up, how horror movies can help your mental health.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Horror movies give me a ton of anxiety. Uh, but according yes. uh, yeah to this article on Cena, it can actually support your mental health.
3: I There's just something about this that seems very suspicious.
2: Right? Well, Dr. James Simmons is joining us right now to break it all down. Dr. James, thanks for being with us. We miss you.
7: I miss you, too. Thank you for having me. Ryan, is it suspicious, or is it just all in your
3: head? I mean, <laughs> oh, speaking, never mind, I must made a nasty
2: joke. Okay, <laughs> this Friday.
7: <laughs> so, you can. I mean, I came out the gate swinging at you, so, you know, you can you can make a, a, a funny joke back. I mean, I, I hear you. I just haven't had a chance to tease you in a long time. No, I radio. meant, like, nasty
3: listen, as in nasty. Like,
7: mm, oh, like I mean. nasty. Yeah, nasty.
3: It was, something came up, um, you know.
7: nasty movies and scary movies, things like that, may really actually sort of be good for our mental health. It's kind of wild when you think about it. So Mm -hmm. here's how this works. You know, we all have this fight, flight, or freeze response, right? Mm -hmm. Every single human being, it's in us. Well, after we have a trigger, something that triggers us to have fight, flight, or freeze, we have what's called rest and digest. Now, I'm, I'm oversimplifying very complex physiological processes, but after that fight or flight, you get something called rest and digest. Well, people who have anxiety mm. have a glitch in that response. Hmm. So they're sort of constantly on like a three to nine out of 10 scale of fight or flight, right? Uh-huh. It never actually turns off, mm. right? I, I can be something of an anxious person, so I get this. I'm sort of like always at like a three or four, yes. right? Yes. Especially, especially after COVID. Same. So. Couple that with our brain doesn't know the difference between reality, like what's happening in the real world, and what we're watching on TV. Our brain perceives that as the same thing, right? You guys with me still? Mm -hmm. So when you're watching a scary movie and your fight, flight, or freeze is triggered and then the movie ends... Or they kill the bad guy in the end, or Michael Myers finally dies or whatever, and you have a release Mm -hmm. of that trigger, you go into rest or digest. And so for some people who have chronic anxiety, this can actually feel like almost a cure for it, like they become less anxious after watching horror movies. How about that?
3: Wow, so they're, like, releasing it in some way. Kind of like I if you work know. out, you uh, you know, some people say working out can, like, help them release stress and things like that. That's it's like a high amount serotonin, of
2: serotonin, right? That's it's like an fun. adrenaline
3: thing.
7: Yeah, so same thing. That just, like, I mean, imagine the last time you were actually scared, right? Boom, you got this pop of, like, adrenaline and, like, whoa, it, like, went in you so crazy. And then you actually felt a big release afterwards. You probably even felt a little bit tired, maybe even wanted to take a nap. That's true. People who are chronically anxious never get that relaxation. Mm. They, they're kind of always, there's a glitch in their fight or flight. They're always on edge a little bit from whatever. It's like they're constantly being triggered. Well, our brain will look at a horror movie, say, oh my gosh, there's a trigger. It's causing my fight or flight. And then because it's something we can control or because 90 minutes later, the bad guy dies and we can turn the movie off. Or, you know, the guy dies. Or if we don't like it, we can turn it off. It's something that we can control. Ultimately, we go into that rest or digest. We get that release of serotonin and other yummy, juicy, wonderful chemicals. And we actually get some relief from our anxiety.
3: I wonder, is it a certain type of scary movie that, you know, can get us there? Or is it like, because especially I think about what if it's a scary movie that you, you remember when COVID was just starting, all those like super intense, like scary movies were like, skyrocketing on, like, stream... Yeah, what's the one? Contagion? Yeah. Like, those...
7: Contagion, yeah, uh-huh. like, the
3: closer to reality, maybe those things will help you more with your anxiety because it's, it's like, it's closer to what you know in real life because if you're just watching something that could never really possibly happen, maybe it's just like, oh, no.
7: It, you, you really bring up, you know, um, Dr. Ryan, you bring up an mm-hmm. excellent point in that the movie for this to work, now it doesn't work for everyone, right? Some people just are like, nope, watching the horror movie just makes me too anxious anyway, and yeah. they never get that sort of resolution from it, right? That's some people. The other thing is, you're right. The type of movie and the type of environment in which you're watching the movie can make a really big difference in this. So if this is the type of movie that you can tolerate watching but still scares you a little bit, and you see it through till the end, you get that release at the end of it, that's good for you. If it's a type of movie, like if you've unfortunately lived through a traumatic experience of someone like breaking into your house, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to watch a movie <laughs> of people breaking into your house, right? right? That's sort of like counterproductive with that. But the other thing that has been really well researched is so interesting. Certain movies actually cause a higher calorie burn as well oh. because we're having a high oh. heart rate during these movies. You can actually burn more calories watching these horror movies. Well, sounds,
2: I'm just uh, does, it, sound, does, it sounds unhealthy. <laughs> like even though it's healthy, like you're losing weight, but it sounds like you're kind of it's like an unhealthy way to approach your health. Well,
3: you're putting yourself through yeah.
7: trauma. um I, I think that's one way of thinking about it. Another way to think about it is is that people who have this, the people who are anxious and have this sort of glitch in their fight or flight. That's actually the bigger issue, right? They're never going into rest or digest. They're constantly being triggered, constantly on this anxious phase where something is actually kicking that up. So from a three to an eight, but then once you have the release at the eight, you go down to a zero amount of anxiety. You get so many better friends from having that zero level, even if it's temporary, rather than constantly living at a three. I wonder if sense. that's
2: why psychedelics like help with anxiety, because it pushes you to the edge and then you have a release and then you're kind of back and you realize you're back. It wasn't that bad.
0: Well,
7: yeah, I, I can't speak specifically to <laughs> psychedelics and exactly how they work. <clears throat> Um, but, yes, there are some, there's some theories that, that, um, that that's very similar, that they Whoa. sort of force you to go to a place where you maybe were uncomfortable going, but then once you go through that and work through that, the release afterwards is really the benefit. Fascinating.
2: Well, Dr. James Simmons, thanks again. We appreciate it, and happy Halloween.
7: Thank you very much. Happy Gay High Holy Day to you as well.
1: Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Merriam-Webster has added 455
2: new words to the dictionary. They always do this, right? Uh, and
3: a lot of them... because yeah, language evolves <laughs> and words
2: pop up. Uh, but it's always uh, interesting to see what will continue and go down in history. So some of the ones that stood out for us are these.
3: For you. For, for us.
2: Me, me and producer Vanessa. <laughs> so Ryan, what do you think? So
3: dad bod. Okay. Isn't this more of a saying than a word? No, it's a, it's a word. It describes something, right? That's, That's what a true. word is.
2: It, it And does it deserve to be in the dictionary? Why not? Yeah. I mean, what's the difference then between the Urban Dictionary you and this it? one? Because the Urban what Dictionary used to be all like the more, I guess, uh, un- not underground, but like social media type stuff. And now it seems like the dictionary is getting on the cool words.
3: Which, why not? We should get our person back from dictionary.com to break That's all
2: true. of that down. No you had a person? Yes. Maybe oh, when you weren't yeah. here pretty soon. Enough, so. We did.
3: Yeah, we had someone I was actually, actually really from dictionary.com like, join nice.
2: us. really enthusiastic about words. <laughs> yeah. Also, am I right? Like A-M-I-R-I-T-E. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, so
3: there's sayings, there's words. Uh, abbreviations. Abbreviations. Officially,
2: T-B-H and FTW are part of the dictionary. Well, yeah,
3: because there's older folks that don't really know, and they have to look it up, and they're That's not going true. to Urban Dictionary. They're going to dictionary.com, being like, I don't see it. Back in my day, we just I, said to be honest. I wonder not if- Not TBH.
2: I wonder if people actually- Yeah. Oh, is IRL now in it? Probably, I mean. Uh, I wonder if people print, get the printed out dictionary, or is it only available That's on- That's
3: disgusting.
2: Like, do schools have Books. a printed out ones? Like, in the library? Gross. It made it like so. It took time. It was an experience to go through to find that
3: word. I, you know, I I can't wait to have one of those like intense bookshelves that sit behind me with books I've never read. <laughs> it's a it's actually a goal of mine. I think that I think people do that because it, it shows wealth.
2: Yeah, and intelligence. I think there's a lot of people that actually aren't wealthy, but they are kind of elitist bookworms that do that,
3: or like you star- have to have some type of like money to buy all them damn books.
2: Yeah, or a lot of professors, like a lot of people I know in academia, do that. And yeah. I, I'm assuming they've read them. But
3: I've, a I'm lot. just letting you know now. I until I say otherwise, I'm not I've read any of the seven books that are sitting on my desk. Oh, really? There's about like seven or eight. What's they've good- been books that I've been given, or books I thought I was yeah. going to read in the quarantine, but I never finished.
2: Yeah, I hear you on that. Reading's
3: overrated.
2: I don't necessarily agree (laughs) with that, but I hear you on the other stuff. (laughs) I like to read. (laughs) I like to read. I like to read. I'm a cool mom. I like to read. reading's fun. Demental. (laughs) Coming up next, why you might be seeing more butts on Griner, that and more on what's trending this hour after this.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're
2: wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Grey's Anatomy has got a new star, a new doctor, and they're non-binary. That is right. ER Fightmaster has been cast in a recurring role in Grey's Anatomy and is the first non-binary doctor, which is pretty cool.
3: Okay, that's amazing. No, honestly, so hot they are, for sure. Yes. Um, They're also in yes. Shrill, um, which is wonderful, on yes. Hulu. Um, yeah, it just was really nice to see that they were being added. I thought they were just going to be like a guest character, but Mm -hmm. no, they're here.
2: Yeah. And I like it. So you can check them out on the all new Grey's Anatomy. And according to a a lot of the blogs and fans I've been checking out online, there's a little romance brewing possibly between them and another one of the doctors.
3: Yeah, exactly. We, of course we know.
2: All right. Well, I don't keep up. We know. So yeah. But it's making me interested. Maybe I'll catch up on Grey's Anatomy. No, you're soon, not. So.
3: There's too many seasons. You should. It's 18 seasons.
2: Okay. Well, yes. I have other things to do with my life. But I do love this news. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that also does it for our show today. But we are back Monday weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We want to wish you a very happy Halloween. Uh, If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for what's poppin' with DJ Alex D right after this. And happy Halloween weekend. Mm -hmm.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,